Welcome to Check the Program, a arts podcast about arts and culture happening in Victoria, BC. I'd like to uh, start our show by acknowledging that Victoria occupies the traditional territories of the Lekwungen-speaking and Coast Salish peoples, including what is now known as the Esquimalt and Songhees First Nations. As settler people, we have the privilege to live, work, and create on these lands, and much of the art we are discussing has also been created and performed here. My name is Amanda Farrell Lowe. And I'm John Thoreau I'm Melanie Trump Hoover. And I'm Sarah Petrescu. And we're all. Uh... Who are we? Yeah. <laughs> Who are we? <laughs> well, I'll, I'll throw in. Um, so I'm former editor of Money Magazine. I was the arts editor ahead of that. And uh, I think most of us here uh, have uh, some sort of journalism background. And uh, we're all here because we're concerned about the uh, declining coverage of the arts in the city. Yeah. Um, Sarah here. Um, worked as a reporter at the Times Colonist for 12 years, um, an arts reporter for a good portion of that, and recently left, slash laid off. A few other people left the paper as well who were covering the arts, so yeah, definitely see a need for some more arts coverage, and also just when you're passionate, you're out there, you're seeing stuff, you want to talk to people about it, and yeah, get some attention to these things. Melanie? Yeah, I think to to your point, John, about arts coverage declining, it's kind of ironic that it's also happening in a time where I think more and more art is being created and, and more companies are starting up and, and right across the gamut of visual art, uh, theater, musicians. And, and so there's more and more in this region to be talking about and less people talking about it. So I think this is a great medium for that. Yeah, and I'm, uh, I guess I'm a long-running uh, arts journalist who's been covering arts in Victoria for about 15 years now, on and off. Uh, and my, yeah, I was uh, arts editor editor under John at uh, Monday Mag and have been freelancing on and off a lot since then. And like everyone else here, I'm passionate about the arts and just looking for an outlet to talk about it. <laughs> and we see a lot of stuff between the four of us. And, you know, and people always talk to us, too. Uh, like, yeah. every time I go to a show, every time I go to galleries, people are always talking to me about what else is going on in the town. Mm-hmm. And I always, always, even though I've been gone from the paper for a number of years now, I still get asked the question all the time of, you know, who can we talk to about who can cover our stuff? And yeah. uh, there's fewer and fewer of us out there to do that. So mm-hmm. this is a proactive step in uh, increasing the amount of arts coverage in the city. Let's get started. Do it. Yeah. What have you guys seen? What have we seen? Yeah, I'll start. Uh, This week I went to, last week I went to a great, great Shakespeare adaptation, Twelfth-ish Night, the Launchpad Theater at Craig Derrick Castle, and it was super cool. It was a cool experience, that's what, which I think is kind of how you have to see Shakespeare now. I feel like you have Mm -hmm. to. It has to be an experience, whether you're barred on the beach, you're at a park, it's it's got to be fun. It's got to be entertaining. Just so is because... this another one where you had to go through the castle? Yeah. So you go into the castle, and it starts with a cocktail party, which I love. First you go in, and you have to, like, wipe your shoes off. You have to, like, get your shoes buff, which is kind of... It's funny, but it's kind of like it does enter you into another space somehow. Get a little bubbly. You walk around. The actors are singing. They're, you know, interacting with you. You're asked to dress up a little... You meander around the castle, it's beautiful, and then you climb, I think it's 87 stairs, to their sort of loft space where um, where the theatre takes place, <laughs> and it's very small, very intimate, 
and tons of fun and this they did a great job of it they kept it very lively fun but still the um it still had the spirit and all the great language um of shakespeare and there was some excellent acting uh ian case made a return to the stage (laughs) it was hilarious as malvolio um, he just, yeah, great facial expressions, and he was just deadpan. So, but it was a, it was an experience, and I think sometimes, especially for people who maybe don't love theater or they they don't get out very often, like i.e. the parents with a toddler. <laughs> so me and my husband don't get out together very much, and he's not a huge theater person. He had a wonderful time. Mm-hmm. Like it really felt like you were taken to another place. So now Launchpad, they're the company that took over doing the shows in the castle when yeah. Ian stopped doing the shows in the castle. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. And um, yeah, they've done some cool stuff. So, and it sounds like they're going to, they have some more creative stuff coming. Yeah, great. But uh, yeah, they teased it, but they didn't give us details. Yeah. So. Conversely, I went to the uh, the Phoenix adaptation of Shakespeare, where they did Comedy of Errors, which was generally fun, but uh, sort of lacking in the content. It was a lot of razzle-dazzle without a lot of strength in the uh, the real concept of the show. Uh, mm-hmm. I think a lot of things got sort of lost in translation there. So it sounds like your Shakespeare adaptation was a little more fun than my Shakespeare adaptation. <laughs> yeah, and I think it really it really had to do with keeping the spirit of the story and the language. Like mm-hmm. a lot of Shakespeare, people trip over the language. Mm-hmm. And when you're so close to the actors and you're seeing their facial expressions, they're spitting out the words, you get something more out of it, mm-hmm. even if you, you know don't quite catch every turn of phrase or you or maybe the the word the phrase is so outdated that you don't know what they're saying you can get it still mm-hmm. so. more so than trying to squeeze Shakespearean verse into uh, the musical structure of Bohemian Rhapsody which, yeah. is, which is what they did in Comedy of Errors <laughs> and they just replaced fun. the lyrics with Shakespearean verse but it was fun and that's exactly it it was fun but hard to follow and yeah. you couldn't really get the text and you couldn't really follow what exactly was going on so it was yeah. a little tricky there but I've seen a lot of visual art this the last couple of weeks. Mm. Uh, I went and heard Kent Monkman talk up yeah. at uh, UVic when he came in for uh, the Moving Trans History, Moving Trans Forward conference, and uh, he was fascinating. I really enjoyed his talk a lot. Uh, hearing about his process as an artist, moving from being a contemporary abstractionist, moving into the sort of the work that we see now, and we recognize his uh, sort of fine art. Uh, really transgressive approach to repositioning indigenous culture through uh, traditional art forms and visually like literally looking at the progression he was going painting to painting to painting to painting and showing how his work got to where it is now was really fascinating and I I enjoyed much of what he said and I really enjoyed uh, watching the uh, faces of the crowd out in the university center's uh, lobby where they're looking at the pencil sketches that uh, Winchester Gallery had on show, these incredibly sexually explicit homoerotic pencil sketches. And people are looking and going, oh. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and a lot of the crowd there totally dug it because it was for the trans uh, conference. Uh, but other people were like, oh my. Is that, is that, are those still at Winchester? I believe they're yeah. still at Winchester. They're not the ones that Winchester are putting in their email. Uh, <laughs> but I'm pretty sure they are still there. 
They were great. So I saw that. I went to the Look Show as well downtown, uh, uh, Victoria Arts Council's annual Look Show, uh, which this year is enormous. It's over 500 pieces, uh, and it's so big that they've burst out into three different locations, um, one downstairs in the Bay Center like it traditionally is, another one on Fort Street next to Starbucks, which is now the, um, the office of the Arts Council, and then uh, just down the just down Fourth Street and across the street at the Temple Building, they've mm. got a part part of it in there too, and it was really great this year. Excellent curation and a good range of work. Uh, some fold over with the International Women's Day show that just uh, happened, and uh, you know a number of the same pieces, not even the same artists, like the same pieces, and some of them hanging in the same place. And I thought, <laughs> oh, that's a bit of a ripoff. But some of the other work in there was really great, and I enjoyed that a lot. And then the only other art show I'll throw out there, too, is I went to um, Susan Benson's show on Salt Spring Island. Susan Benson's a well-known Canadian uh, stage designer, costumes and uh, sets. And she's done a portrait series called Portrait of an Island, where it was dozens of small portraits of uh, Salt Spring Island residents. And seeing them all spread out through the gallery was, was excellent. I really enjoyed that. Um, I haven't done much theater this uh, the last couple of weeks. I wrapped up Sparkfest at the Belfry. Uh, saw uh, Tomorrow's Child... So Tomorrow's Child, the audio one, that was really great. Um, didn't really see many of the mini plays this year at all because the crowds were so heavy. Uh, went to Tomorrow's Child as well. Didn't mm. didn't love it like you did, baby. Didn't, John. didn't love it, hey? No, oh. I thought it got a little. So it it was meant to be an immersive theater experience that was sound only, so you're blindfolded, and there was a lot of logistics of getting the crowd in that ate up a lot of the time of the, mm. the actual play but it was it was fun there was you know the novelty of being blindfolded and holding on to strangers being pulled into a theater um and it started out well i thought it, the entire uh kind of concept is that you're blindfolded and all of it is audio and that they've they've rigged up these incredible speakers all over the theater so it throws sound and whatnot but i thought i got a little tripped up in in kind of in love with that concept rather than focus on story, at least for me. And I had tweeted that I was going to, to the play and it caused a little bit of a discussion thread response. And one guy told me he fell asleep. Oh, really? <laughs> and and I, did, I did not fall asleep, but I did zone out for a little bit oh, of it. I stayed with it the whole time. And uh, because you're blindfolded and we're really hung on the, the audio, yeah. um, I started trying to really decide what I was hearing. And the, the, what I came to the decision was uh, a good portion of the show, you're hearing it from the perspective of somebody from another dis dimension right which is why it was all kind of weird yeah. because you weren't hearing it necessarily with human ears yeah. and then at the end the reveal where you take off the blindfold and you see the lights in the room um because i had this blindfold on my vision was all blurry when i, I don't know if that happened to you it did yeah 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 and my my vision was all blurry for like 45 minutes afterwards i felt like i'd gone to the optometrist and, <laughs> and see that's it was a beautiful ambient soundscape but for me it wasn't the the theatrical production that maybe i was expecting mm -hmm. but the next night i uh, saw cafe daughter that's how i closed out spark festival and it's a one-woman show um, from Kenneth T. Williams is the playwright. Uh, he's a, a Cree artist working out of, I believe, Saskatchewan. And uh, it was, like I said, one woman show, uh, an Inuit performer, Tiffany Eilick. She was incredible. So it was everything that you're looking for from a, a kind of one person show, uh, coming of age tale where she was really, she, she transformed from a young girl to, to a woman in her early twenties, as well as played every character that had came, that came in and out of her life during that time. Mm -hmm. And she did so well, uh, just amazing transformations between these characters and, and what she was looking for, um, was 
was this process of reclaiming her heritage after being told to hide the fact that she was half Cree. She's half Chinese, half Cree. And so the play itself was a really interesting meditation on the hierarchy of racism in Canada. Mm-hmm. And that being being Chinese was somehow less uh, less offensive to the people around her in the world that she walked in than being Cree and, and to oh. hide that about herself the whole way through. And it was actually based on a true story. Um, the playwright uh, looked at the story of Senator Lillian Eva Kwan Dick and uh, based based this play on that. And the, the performance was incredible. The staging was really, really beautiful. And it was the longest standing ovation I've seen in a super wow. long time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she was absolutely beautiful show. And and just kind of classic, solid, hit all the right notes. Mm-hmm. So it was a really nice way to... That's one of the things I like about Sparkfest. I like the fact that they bring in shows from across Canada, that it is a touring festival. Uh, Ghost River Theatre brought in Tomorrow's Child. And uh, I like having the opportunity to see the kind of work that's happening across the country and mm-hmm. having it brought to us here. Yeah. So I guess we'll move on to some newsier bits. Uh, last time we got together, we spoke a bit about everything that's happening at Open Space. And uh, after- a recap. Yeah, well, um, so France Trampanier, the Aboriginal curator, publicly resigned. The yeah. issue that, like, sort of the main issue she brought up is that all this work had been done mm-hmm. to create... Um, space for in, for indigenous artists, curators. It had, was at a point that was good, and had felt that that she had felt that that work was being in some way that that work was not being. I don't want to say respected, but yeah, I'd say I yeah, think respected, not is respected, a good and that and that that work was being undone basically, mm-hmm. and um, some and so, steps backwards. I think some were steps the, backwards. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, we we spoke about it a bit at the last show, and then Doug Jarvis gave us some great feedback and he's like I don't feel like you guys really understand what's going on there I think you should talk to somebody so I I just wanted to say thanks to Doug for mentioning that so I sat down with Charles Campbell who is the uh the head of the interim board of directors at Open Space and had a really lovely conversation with him and after speaking with him it's become apparent that this whole kind of metamorphosis that's happened at Open Space has been a pretty incredible story. I wanted to play a couple of just a couple little clips from my chat with Charles, and in uh, and talking about how he and a group of other folks uh, came to be the interim board of directors. So, uh, yeah, this he meets with a group of uh, Indigenous Black and people of color involved in the arts community regularly, and this came up as an issue. Uh, as something that was a point of discussion at one of their groups. At one of these meetings, we discussed France's resignation and kind of what we do, because open space is a really important space to us. It's like one of the spaces in Victoria that had been really welcoming um, for Indigenous and POC folk in particular, and um, especially under the leadership of France, and I would say Peter Morin as well, they just did a lot of work in this space to um, really enlarge the communities that were invited into the space. I mean, if you go into most art spaces in Victoria, um, you'll find the audience is pretty much all white. Um, they were changing that at open space. And so we felt that we had to do something. We had to engage with the space, and we decided we would hope it, hold a dialogue in the space. So they so they hold the dialogue in the space just with the intention of having a dialogue because this was an issue that was important to his community and 
uh, other communities that he was engaged with. It sounds like things were were pretty dire there. The situation at Open Space started to seem kind of untenable. Um, there was a ACC boycott um, that was followed by some artists pulling out their programming, um, which and also the UVic Writing Park um, Department, who has their Open Word program with Open Space. They decided to pull their support from that program. Um, funders were calling to ask what was up, and it was looking like the space was actually in real trouble. And that the, board, the current board would have a very difficult job fixing those relationships because they felt kind of broken. So a group of us stepped up and basically approached the board and said, listen, we'll put together a slate of people um, to possibly run the space if you guys um, will consider stepping down. Um, it was nowhere on the radar that this could happen. Um, you know, even when we said, you know, oh, we need to engage and we need to have a discussion in the space, my, uh, I was thinking as far as yes, we need to make sure our voices are heard within this situation. We certainly weren't thinking of, of a transition in the board at that time. Um, but it just seemed like there was this sort of moment where it's like, well, what happens here? What do we do? Um, it's like felt like it was potentially just really stuck. And actually what really needed to happen is just a few pieces needed to move. And you know, the Victoria Arts community, we're a small community, we all know each other, I have good relationships with people on the board, um, you know, there is this sort of, you know, it's a difficult moment for us, but I am hoping that because we are, because we're small and because we have those relationships, that we can kind of come back together fairly quickly, and that the, you know, the, um, even the old board will have a, have a role in kind of helping helping rebuild the organization. Sounds like they haven't really wasted much time getting to work. As some folks may know, they're having a couple of events this weekend. Yeah, so yeah. Sunday, April the 8th, uh, mm-hmm. what, at 4 p.m., they're having uh, the next public meeting down there, uh, mm-hmm. talking, giving people an update on what's going on at Open Space. And then Monday night on the 9th, they're having a healing feast and ceremony to follow. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, that will be led by Bradley Dick and Jerry Amber. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. we're also um, quite involved in Open Space in the past mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. So I think this is, I mean, what's happened at, or what's happening at Open Space is pretty incredible. Mm-hmm. And I hope that people are paying attention, other mm-hmm. arts organizations, because they're going through something painful, but they seem to be surrounded by so many loving people who are willing to step up and who are taking it upon themselves to do the hard work um, to make this right and to and to keep the space for for everyone and in the right way and you know that's so important especially when you're doing things like you may have a one-year year of reconciliation program where you support indigenous artists or you know, maybe it's women artists or maybe it's youth artists, but that has to be a commitment. Like, it's not about a one-year, it's not about a one-time funding. And, um, yeah, it's about the, you know, the groundwork of your organization. So, what do you guys think? Yeah, and I mean, as Charles mentioned early, yeah, like in that, in the interview, you know, it's one of the few spaces that has been very welcoming to 
people who aren't white, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah, like yeah. to indigenous people, to people of color, to, to black people. And like, he's like, even that's even reflected in the audiences that attend the show, which is, which mm. is huge. So yeah, I mean, I think you're right. Like they were on the verge of losing the space that, and it, I mean, open space isn't a new organization. No, 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 no. It's uh, historically it's been around for almost well, over 40 years. Now. Yeah. Close, yeah. close to 50, I yeah. guess. Yeah. So yeah, it's uh yeah. So yeah, it's uh overall, I think a, a good news story. And well, I think it's a weird made thing. A good opportunity. Yeah. yeah. You know, they made uh, some good advances in a bad situation. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, uh, you know, it should be said that all of this happened right around the time that they got their new executive director mm-hmm. in, Katie McFadden came in and uh, all of this kind of came up at that point. So it's good that it's happening at the start of his tenure mm-hmm. as executive director. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'd rather see that now than, you know. I did ask Charles, like, what that meant for staff, and he said that, you know, the interim board is working with all the staff members just to see how things are going, and he says it's uh, they're focusing on the process as opposed to the outcome right now is what he told me. So, yeah. And then, you know, the one thing about this whole story that uh, I've found you know, most interesting is the lack of coverage it's getting in the mm-hmm. city. Like, it's a pretty big art story for the city. Open Space is a very established group, like you said, very established venue in the city, and yet I'm really hearing nothing okay. about this too And much. it has implications for every other arts organization mm-hmm. in dealing with an issue like this. Mm-hmm. So, you and know. And I, I think, yeah, it's a learning moment for everyone, and I think the arts organizations themselves, though, are paying attention. Oh, yeah. Just yeah. by the lack of coverage, right? At yeah. those public meetings, and it's a conversation at every board, at, at every arts organization I'd hope I, I think hope, Charles certainly. had mentioned one magazine in Vancouver that mm. had been covering it other mm. than the CBC did do a couple of pieces yep. earlier on in the yep. and Canadian uh, Art yeah. Magazine has mm. done a piece on it as well although Canadian Art also a couple of weeks ago were in with their spring issue launch and they held it open space you know mm-hmm. even though they've done a lot of issues about uh, you know indigenous representation and they had a specifically indigenous issue uh, it didn't stop them from having their event at open space which yeah. I thought was interesting as well I'm not yeah. putting a judgment on that. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I'm I'm hoping to uh, attend at least some of the events this weekend. So, yeah, yeah. Oh, great, great. Yeah. Good. The other bit of news that I think is interesting is the current talk about uh, the old Maritime Museum space in Bastion Square as yeah. well. There's uh, once again the idea has come up about whether or not it should be some sort of a central art space in the city, a shared uh, space amongst arts groups, whether that's studio space or office space or um, rehearsal space. Mm-hmm. I mean, everything is sort of on the table right now. And I've heard mixed things from people mm-hmm. in the city about it. I would love to see that space used to good mm-hmm. effect because it's Bastion Square. It's right in the middle of the city mm-hmm. and it has good potential. Um, but I don't want to see an architecture sort of dropped onto the arts community that isn't necessarily what people need. Well, have you looked at any of the documentation around the... Uh, so it's probably being presented to council as we speak. It was on the agenda tonight. And so I looked at the uh, report that the consulting firm put together. It's like 90 pages. And they had a list of, you know, the people in the arts community they engaged with. But all that they really provided as a result of that was like general, like one-line thoughts Hmm. uh, presented in a group. And about half of them were negative. So I just don't. Really, yeah, I, I, this is something that I would like to learn a little bit more about, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. talking to the city, uh, talking to the consult- consultants who I believe came in from Portland mm-hmm. to do it. Seems like it needs to be flushed out a bit yeah. more. Yeah, 
And I know a lot of people in the arts community were very unimpressed with how this quote-unquote consultation was rolled out. It was announced at the very last minute at like the Bard and Banker or something. People showed up. Lots of people came. There wasn't enough time for everyone to speak. They didn't really have any specific questions for people. Like at least that was the first round. I don't know how the second round went. So I'd be curious. Uh, and if anyone who was there would like to get a hold of us, we would love to talk to you about what your experience was like. But my, uh, just the uh, conversations I had with folks in the arts community after that, they were just kind of like not excited. not not yeah. super impressed with the way at all. It almost felt like they had an idea that they wanted to use this mm -hmm. space. And they were just trying to find a way to make it happen without really... Shoehorn it in. Yeah. yeah. I'd be curious. Like, what can you do with that space, though? Well, like... it does have some large gallery spaces, and it does have some large areas, and it does have some, you know, uh, office areas. But then it's also got, you know, a tall, skinny staircase and the old yeah. clunky elevator in the cage. And it's, mm -hmm. is it really what the arts community needs? No. I don't know. Yeah. You know, uh, the one thing I hear certainly from the visual arts community is the lack of affordable studio space where they can move in and work on pieces for a long period of time. Is that the kind of thing they want to see happen in right. this space? That doesn't seem suitable for that space. No. It's a heritage space. Exactly. It does have some, you know, some pretty protected types features in it. So, I, yeah, I don't know if that idea mm -hmm. will fly. Yeah. Maybe it'll become another... Crystal Gardens, where it's like always wow. being reinvented and yeah. never quite. What was <laughs> new BC experience? Yeah, <laughs> we've seen BC arts experience. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. And we've seen this kind of shared spaces happen around town before. And I think one of the problems and one of the reasons the arts community gets shy about them is because they don't necessarily last too long. Mm -hmm. Like, who wants to upstakes and move into something right. if they have to do it again a year or two from now? Well, and one thing that was pointed out in the documentation around it was that. Part, the consultations could not identify an organization that would be suitable to go in and run it. So mm. what their proposal is, is to create a whole new nonprofit. And they want it to pay for itself, mm. too, obviously. Um, anyway, I'm I'm curious to hear more about it. Uh, my first impressions and the, the uh, impressions I got from speaking with other people were kind of like, meh. Yeah, it sounds like you need an anchor organization or a real yeah, champion of it. Yeah. Which so, they but, don't have. Yeah. <laughs> so And the decision at Council tonight then is to move forward. Yeah, to move is. forward with it. Yeah, they're yeah. not making any yeah. Lots of things need to change to yeah. 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 So are we at that time where we talk about what is coming up? Yeah, I think we are. What is coming? What's coming up, Sarah? Uh this week <laughs> sure, I'll start. Um so this week, I'm going to a feminist book launch at Monroe's, and it's with um, Liz Renzetti, who's a Global Mail columnist, has written a book called Shrewd, kind of, you know, thoughts on um, growing up, being a woman, um, lives of girls, uh, which has, I've read a few of the excerpts, and they're hilarious and awesome, and it seems like a great read. And uh, she'll be doing that um, jointly with Judy Rebick, who is a very famous uh, Canadian uh, feminist historian and activist. And um, she's written a book called Heroes in My Head, which is sort of about mentors uh, in her life. So, 
Yeah, I think that will be great. And uh, Margot Goodhand is going to be uh, moderating, who recently wrote the book um, Runaway Wives and Rogue Feminists, and um, about uh, the women's transition house movement in Canada. And she actually lives in Victoria. (laughs) So, yeah, I think it'll be really interesting. I'm looking forward to um, who's going to be there, the sort of the atmosphere of it. So... Yeah, there's some great book launches in Victoria. There's so many great authors. And Monroe's is a beautiful space. So that's April 10th um, at 7 p.m. We were talking about France Trepignier earlier. And uh, her next exhibit, The Time of Things, is coming up at the Legacy Gallery that opens on April 12th and runs through July 7th. She's curating that exhibit, a contemporary exhibit, with five different Indigenous women artists as well. So I'll be curious to go down and see what she's doing outside of open space as well. So that's coming up. And uh, the Belfry's last show of the season, Salt Baby, is coming up as yeah. well. Are we um, all going? Uh, yep. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> it looks amazing. Melanie, you went to the UNO launch recently, didn't you? I did, yeah. The launch party, the program launch party was last night. And super fun, always, as, as anything Intrepid Theatre coordinates uh, is. The 20, 21st year of the festival, and it's absolutely my uh, always my favorite festival to go to. Not, not to play favorites, but there's just such bold and innovative and very brave work that gets brought in as a curated festival and it's a little bit I feel like it's a little bit of um Victoria's Secret in that the fringe is so well attended every August and I think a lot of fringe guards don't realize that Uno is kind of the the best up greatest hits of some of our favorite fringe artists coming back in in a way that you don't have to line up for an hour to get tickets (laughs) for the best shows uh, and actually every first night of every show is pay what you can. So it's incredibly accessible. Um, this year there is a big focus on indigenous voices, which is very topical with what we've been talking about, including a guest curator, uh, Yolanda Bonnell, who, uh, is bringing in, uh, an indigenous work from, from the East coast. There's also for the first time in partnership with Kaleidoscope theater, uh, two youth oriented shows two family friendly, um, Family, family, family friendly productions, as well as a youth pass this year as part of that. And uh, one of my favorites, Britt Small with Atomic Vaudeville, is bringing her work in progress, uh, a solo show called Bonhomme, a mm. uh, male, male renaissance in 32 acts. <laughs> and she's, I mean, her and Jacob Richmond for years, incredible genius uh, creators in this community. She's often behind the scenes, though. She's an incredible dramaturg. She's yeah. worked on so many pieces, pieces that we know and love and and for all sorts of different artists, but is so rarely at the front. And whenever she hits the stage, she steals the show. She t- completely. Yeah. 100%. <laughs> and so she, she was talking to me a little bit about it last night, and she's telling this story of the male renaissance in 32 acts, inspired by she had read a book uh, by a, a lesbian writer who had been uh, who had lived life as a man for a year and wrote mm-hmm. about her experience and how she, that that experience had kind of shown her that she thinks fem- female you know women people who identify as women had have had this opportunity to upend femininity and didn't feel that that males people who identify as males have had the same have had the same shot so Britt has 32 acts summer summer short summer long she's working with Hank Pine on Mm. on some of the work with it I think Jimbo is going to come in and do some drag for it Mm. um so I'm really really interested to see what that that work in progress looks like nice yeah just a few there's so many shows to do now though yeah 
Sarah, you're saying Eva Goyan's coming into town? Yeah, Eva Goyan, um, incredible pianist, uh, local from Victoria, uh, sister of Adam Egoyan, famous director, and uh, equally famous uh, new music pianist, Eva, incredible musician, and she's bringing two pieces, um, actually I'm not sure how many pieces it is, the title of it is uh, Long Works, so, <laughs> and it's two nights, oh, so. oh, wow. Um, and what's the venue for that? The venue for that is the Art Gallery. Oh. Um, yeah, Victoria's Art, Gal- Art Gallery of Greater Victoria mm. in the Spencer Mansion. Oh, yeah. oh wow. And, you know, if, if you really enjoy an emotional musical experience that requires your attention, requires you to be open to being a little bit uncomfortable and something that is incredibly rare, I would recommend going to see her because she just brings this energy to her music and this focus and attention. And there may be 10 minutes of silence, mm. you know, you mm. don't know, um, or not. Mm. Um, but it really brings out something different, uh, I think, in her audiences that you don't get mm. a lot in arts experiences. So, And she doesn't perform here very often. Her family's here and... Yeah, it's her hometown, but uh, she's a real, a real treasure. So yeah, I'm hoping to see that. And at the other end of the musical spectrum, we had the uh, Rock the Shores announcement this week <laughs> with um, the headliner of uh, that cutting edge musician Brian Wilson. And, uh, I'm just I'm just trying to imagine him on the stage at Rock the Shores. And I guess the question in a is... comfy armchair? <laughs> well, like, are people who are going to see Brian Wilson going to buy Rock the Shores tickets? Maybe. Or... Maybe. Yeah. It's, is there a yeah, crossover with Social Distortion and Brian yeah. Wilson? Yeah. Ex-Ambassadors, Social Distortion, and Brian Wilson. It'll be interesting. Yeah. 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 It was, it was, I was very surprised by that. Yeah. I still have visions of the hip playing Rock the Shores with a lightning storm in the oh, background. Yeah. Oh my God. That's, Epic. The, that's the kind of image I, I remember to fleeing yeah. when terror when that happened yeah. because I was working selling beer <laughs> tickets I feel and like... they ran out of beer. Uh, oh, oh yeah. Oh, I feel like Rock the Shores could just be like Jesse Roper the whole time. He's there again. <laughs> he's people, there again. And people yeah. will be happy. People yeah. love that guy. Oh, I mean, he's a great performer. Sure. Yes. And sure, he's, sure. you know, from the region. I do mm-hmm. get I do I do get tired of that Yukon girl song though. Mm-hmm. Especially the video about like her being a psycho. I'm like, we're not yeah. all like that, yeah. guys. <laughs> it's a little personal for Yeah, you, just maybe, Amanda. maybe just just kinda yeah. Yeah. Good Take it was coming in. Sloan's coming in this month as well. They're coming to Capitol Ballroom. Yeah. And um oh, uh Torco Campbell and Stars. Yeah, stars. stars are coming yeah. in now, right on the heels yeah. of his appearance at the Belfry. Yeah. Um uh, on the opposite end of the musical spectrum from that again, uh CCPA is coming up with their last show of the season, the musical theater piece called Working which I kind of want to see because it's got some pieces by Lin-Manuel Miranda and mm. Steve Schwartz, who are both musical theater artists that I really yeah. enjoy. And I always like CCPA's work mm-hmm, as mm-hmm. well. Um, and then uh, Clean House is coming up at Langham Court, their last show of the season as well, which should mm. be a lot of fun. Um, 
And then the only other thing I'll throw out on the table is the uh, the annual BFA Visual Arts Show that comes up at UVic, and that's coming up at April twentieth. It runs till the twenty eighth because I really like that show because it's an entire visual arts building just filled with yeah, art, it's and just to cool. walk from room to room and see these emerging artists all working in a contemporary milieu, and you never know what you're going to see in each room. So uh, that's one of my favorite art shows of the se- season. It's kind of like the look show, but it's in a much more contemporary vein. This has been great. Yeah. And um, we will be back in... We're going to do this every couple weeks. Every two weeks, yeah. Yep. Yeah, let's so do we'll be back, um, you know, in a few weeks, late April. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, if you want to check us out, check the program on Facebook. We're on... Yes, check the program on Facebook. We're available on Twitter as well. Just check the program. Uh, you can email us at checktheprogramyyj at gmail.com if you want to do it the old-fashioned way. Uh, or you can always just follow the hashtag YYJArts feed as well. Mm-hmm. We'll be posting up there. And uh, right now our podcast is hosted at anchor.fm slash checktheprogram. So Excellent. thanks for listening. This is Amanda Farrellow. I'm John Thrillfall. I'm Melanie Trump-Hoover. And I'm Sarah Petrescu. And don't forget to check the, check program. the program. <laughs>